Good morning and welcome to Let's Have the Conversation. Today's recording is between myself and King. We are discussing gender, sexuality, and dating with HIV. There are a couple of hiccups there. This is my first recording and I'm not the best editor. So just forgive me for those mistakes, but I do hope that you enjoy what we are doing here and what we are trying to create and having conversations that will shift us as a society. So enjoy, leave some feedback, and let me know exactly how you feel about it all. And if you're interested in having a conversation with me, let me know that too. I'm happy to do so. Have a good day. So Welcome, King. We have you today on Let's Have the Conversation, and we are going to be discussing gender, sexuality, and HIV. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. I think it's super important, especially within the Black community, to have these conversations. Um, I think, and I love your platform, like on Facebook and your transparency of how you date, how you move, familial issues, parenting, like I've followed you for years and I just, your evolution is absolutely amazing. So honestly, thank you. You're my first guest and I really yeah. couldn't imagine having anybody else as my first. So I'm super excited. I feel so like- you remember, you remember when I didn't used to be like that then? No, but that's what I'm saying. Like you evolved in so many different ways. It's like absolutely amazing to be a witness to all of the things that you're doing now. You know what I mean? Like, oh, look at these real conversations. And when I watch them, I'm like, he's really opening up people's minds on what things look like and how we categorize stuff. So I was like, I want to see what that looks like here on a podcast. And like, focused directly on you, your own life, your own lived truths, and how you define things. Right. Make up much better than mine. And um, which is a great segue. Yes, I love all of the, what what inspires you? Like when you have like all the dots and the lines and the lips, what inspires your look? Is it just artistic? Is there some cultural reasons behind the way you do your makeup? What's what's going on there? Because I put on red lipstick and call it a day. It's some, it's a mix of a lot of different things. I'm like, I use this phrase, I've been using this phrase for years to describe myself as like complex simplicity. So on the face of things, some things I do seem simple, but they're really complex and other things I do seem complex and they're really simple. So as far as the look, it's, it's just a lot of different things. I mean, so externally, like as far as inspiration wise, I like, I try to, I try to strike a mix between Prince and Jack Sparrow. Let's start there. <laughs> so I just like, you know what I'm saying? Just the looks that they've, you know what I'm saying? That they've done. I know Jack Sparrow's a fictional character, but still just, I just like that shit. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then, as far as the extra stuff or, you know what I'm saying? So like the tribal stuff, it's a bit cultural. I won't say that in this, like, cause people will walk up to me and they'll be like, what are those dots on your face mean? Or what does this mean? Or what does that mean? The real answer is this is, that's how I felt today. When right. I, you know what I'm saying? When I did it, but, but uh, from like, 
you know, in, in a lot of our, um, like a lot of our African cultures, they used to really get really decorative with their uh, faces and makeup and stuff yeah. like that. So it's drawn from that. So I kind of call it like an Afro-futuristic type of thing. Um, you know, I like what they did in Black Panther with Wakanda and stuff like that. Yeah, and I totally You know what I'm saying? So it's a mix of like my inspirations and this kind of Afro-futuristic vibe of like, what can Black people really look like and present themselves as? Because like Black people in America, we are American culture, to yeah. be honest. That's kind of a deep topic, but like the the Irish or the, the Scots or, you know, Germans, all these other ethnicities in America have cultural things that they can draw from. Yeah, we can draw from Africa, but a lot of us don't even know, like Africa is a continent. A lot of us don't even know where we came from and different things like that. So right. our culture is really the American, like if you look at American culture, Black culture is American culture, really. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So with that being said, Black people are so limited a lot of ways on how they can present themselves and what they're allowed to do and the boxes that they fit in. So just trying to create a new idea of like what we can do. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because if a white person walks down the street or, you know, somebody is not, not of color or whatever, and they're wearing something outlandish or looking at something outlandish, you don't really think too hard into it. You just kind of accept it for what it is. But when a black person does it, you got all these questions and why are they doing that? And why would they right. do that? It's not our thing. We don't do that. No, yeah, just that. like with goth culture and stuff like that, right? Like you see like the that angry look, dark yeah. colors and everything. And nobody ever questions that when like oh. people do goth. But when we do it, it's like, and, well, what's wrong? What are you doing this for? What's yeah. the purpose? Like we're and not- people, people have walked up to me and been like, are you gothic and stuff? And I'm like, first of all, I don't even know what gothic is. Like, I know when I'm seeing something that I guess is like makeup and gothic stuff, but I don't know. I don't know what that culture is or what that lifestyle is. I have no idea. So I can't be something that I don't even know what it is. So, but people, I understand that people have the need to uh, try to define something based on what they already know. So they can't figure out what I'm doing. They're like, are you gothic? Are you this, are you that? No, I'm just me. I'm just being expressive. So. I'm I'm really in a phase where I'm kind of experimenting a lot. I like the idea of what I could do with makeup or drawing on my face. So I I just started doing the bedazzling. I bedazzle my face and stuff like nice. because I just want to see the different things that I could do. And I, and I like the reactions. You know what I'm saying? People see it and they're like, amazing. Like, you well, try. that's a great segue also into like how did this actually come about like the idea like you said you know is this is just me being me and how our brains totally compartmentalize right and like you were having a discussion the other day on your Facebook in regards to like dating trans women and what does that what label is that and it was a great conversation to go through like well what would you call me right because some people um all people really need to like compartmentalize and box things in. It's like how the brain works, it sorts. So you dating trans women, I saw a few people say, you know, oh, well, I think you'd be bi or you're gay if they haven't fully transitioned. But I think your point was really important that it does, genitals don't make somebody a gender. So I think that there's like this really interesting space in between with you living so boldly and out loud being yourself. And I wanna know like what, 
cause that? Like, what was the inspiration to say, you know what, I don't want to be this person anymore. And I want to drop in your own words, the representative and live so true. I felt like I was alone, lonely. Um, what happens is speaking about that representative, your representative serves you really well in your early years. You know what I'm saying? Because you really haven't figured yourself out yet. Like a 20 year old doesn't really know themselves like that. You know what I mean? Or 25 year old. So when you don't know yourself, your representative does a decent job at getting the attention you want or getting the people you want in your life or doing things like that. But what happens is, as you really start to develop a real sense of self, you figure out that it's, it's further and further away from your representative. And then you realize your representative is not getting what it is that you want. You're getting the total opposite. So for me, I've always thought of myself as like this really interesting, you know, animated person, you know, cool guy, mm -hmm. um, fun to be around, you know what I'm saying? Interesting personality, all those things I think about myself. But for years, I wasn't putting all of, you know, all of myself out there. So people used to receive me a lot of times as like intimidating or nonchalant or mysterious or standoffish. And sometimes I'd be okay with that until it didn't serve me well, where it's like, okay, I might be in, I might be in a group of, around a group of people and, um, you know, in my mind, I'm like, want to be involved with the fun or different things like that. But people didn't look at me as that guy, you know what I'm saying? So I just started. And, it, and that's a simple example, but it's like, then also you got the emotional aspect of the fact that when you're not really being your full self all the time. You could start to question, like, do people really even fuck with me? Like, I started questioning myself, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, shit, if you knew, if I showed you this side of me, would you still love me? Would you still fuck with me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, like I just got further and further away from all the people in my life until I was just so alone and I was like, why do I feel like this? And it was because I've only really been showing people half of me and that's who they've been getting to know. And I didn't feel like that was really me anymore. You know what I'm saying? So to me, the first step, like the the makeup and all that kind of stuff, it's fun, but it's also a way to external it's also a way to externalize my my personality and kind of recalibrate how people receive me because it's like now all the energy that I used to wonder why I didn't get from people, I get it. But you can look at me and clearly see like. This guy walks up and his, his damn face is bedazzled. Right. Clearly, you, you're probably a cool guy. You're probably a fun guy. You're probably, you know what I'm saying? Rather than I walk up and I'm mean mugging and shit like, yo, what's up? You know what I'm saying? So it's and like- And comes from some other external things, right? Like being a black man in America anyway. So this idea right. is like, you know, this stoic, even if you're just who you are, right. you know, you kind of already look intimidating with the- perpetuations of what black men are in this world. So Tattoos I was face, lips, wearing all black all the time. Right, um, you know, and like you you have the locks in your hair. So again, with that compartmentalizing and how the brain sorts, I'm sure that that makeup kind of opens up the world in a different way and gives you a different freedom that I think that 
many black men don't have the benefit of. So I find that really in, interesting, you know, like that idea that that makeup kind of gives you a freedom, right? Like it opens up this space for people to have a different level of conversation, for people to reach you in a different sort of way uh, or feel more comfortable and less intimidated. So how do you That's feel about that? About being, um, about people being more comfortable and less intimidated? Mm -hmm. So when I got shot, I got I got shot last year. What year is this? I got shot. Twenty twenty one. COVID year. Just, it just Twenty twenty just throws everything off. Right? I can't remember what was last year and what wasn't. Okay, so last year, yeah, last year, last year I got shot. Right, and what happened was, it was an altercation over a parking spot. But I'm like ninety eight percent sure that I got shot because they were intimidated by me. Right. But, I hadn't made any threats. I hadn't yelled. I hadn't cussed anybody out or whatever. I just moved in a way to where I guess they thought they assumed that I was gonna do something or whatnot. But um after that, I realized that like I wear I I used to wear being intimidating as a kind of like a badge of honor. Like after I after I'd heard it so many times for so many years, I just kind of took that on, like, yeah, I'm intimidating and shit and then like that, but then I got shot because of it, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, it was like, and that's a harsh like, label to carry around, right? Because like you always have to be, you know, I have these conversations with black men often. It's like, you always have to be on kind of thing, right? Like you always have to be, yo, I'm this type dude and this, that, and the other thing. And like, that's exhausting. That has yeah. got to be exhausting to wear that shield when it's like, I really just, maybe I want to skip down the street. But then if I start skipping, I'm going to be thought to be, you know. I'm gay. If gay. I skip down the street, or I'm gay. You skipping down. The you gotta like you skipping down the street. You have to like relate. You have to want to be in relationships with men. That's the only right. Way. It's <laughs> like insane. These 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 harsh narratives that we create around black men. Like there's no joy. I like, and I think like that's why I'm so enamored by watching your journey because. There's like no joy for black men to have unless they're labeled as less than a man. And that is a horrible thing because one, we don't get to define manhood by these weird, you know, constructs. Like, I don't get it. Like I said, you wear makeup. I don't. That doesn't, nobody has ever thought that I was a man because I don't wear makeup. So why is it that when you wear makeup, Somebody's like, oh, you're gay, or you want to be a woman, or something of the sort. Like, maybe I just want to be free and wear makeup. Yeah. Maybe I just felt like yeah. makeup today. And it could literally be that simple. So kind of moving around in that space is very beautiful to me to watch, you know, especially raising a young Black man myself, knowing that there's Black men like yourself out there that's making it easier in the world to be a black man without having to adhere to this very strict narrative of black man masculinity so honestly thank you for living your life so out loud like that it makes a difference and other people are watching you know what i mean um and then that, that. 
everybody keeps saying I said everybody keeps saying that. I mean, it's very real. Like, it's very, very real. What you're doing in this world is shifting things for the next generation and for people that are raising the next generation, right? You start questioning it. Like, why can't my son paint his nails? Like, why is this something he can't do? Why can he not put lipstick on, but his sisters can, you know? What, what, are, what are these constructs that I'm creating and then passing on? So you're freeing a lot of minds that are able to watch you and like see your journey and with your transparency and challenging what that looks like, you know, which leads me into, like I said, like gender and sexuality. Like just because you live like this, are you switching genders? You still identify as a man, correct? Yeah, I'm definitely not switching genders. Right. Like, I, love, okay. I love being a man. It's not, no, I'm not. And then like your sexuality is still heterosexual. So like, it's a debatable. great, huh? That's debatable. I mean, debatable by uh, whose standards? I mean, like. I mean, I wouldn't be the one debating it, but a sexuality only matters to other people, right? It doesn't really matter to me, so. Right, absolutely. Like for me, I would consider you, if I were to have to label you, I would say you're a heterosexual cisgender man. Like you're happy with your birth assigned gender and you sleep with women. So for me, that's a heterosexual. And I think that that challenges people when they see you with your makeup or saying I date trans women. And so what does that feel like around having to navigate sexuality or conversations with people that have known you for so long or even people that meet you what, how, what does that conversation look like and look it's a it's a spectrum of conversations because you're right it's, it's multiple things happening like if if it was only the makeup but i didn't date trans women that's one thing right or if i date trans women but i don't do the makeup that's another thing. Interesting. But then the lines blur when you when you mix these elements together and then add on the fact that I'm creating a platform as an entertainer, which also always makes people question, are you doing what you're doing for entertainment purposes? Ah, very interesting. It's another angle, you know what I'm saying? Right. So my, the people in my life are trying to figure out something. I got people who just accept me for who I am and that's it. But there's some people trying to figure out. Literally, that life gives. They're like, is the makeup a gimmick? Um, you know, or you know, is it like how you just ask? You know, I know you're asking because of the purposes of an interview, but still, like, you know, like I get people who like, or say you're gonna start cross dressing and wearing dresses and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? I love her to death, but my own sister asked me that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, but I think it's a fair question, right? Like, because as we're breaking these constructs down in our minds and kind of like tearing away the cobwebs of the things that we've thought, it's a fair question, right? Like what we've known before from men who wear makeup is eventually they're going to probably wear dresses and live as a woman or, so it's like, that's what I love about your life and your platform is like, you're like, no, no, I just like makeup. And it's so Did simple. Prince ever live as a woman? Huh? Did Prince ever live as a woman? No, and he is so sexy. And I talk about that, about like the men back in the days, like with the heels and the taco meat out and their half shirts. And I'm like, we've accepted this before. 
Yeah. So it's very interesting how, like, we've gotten, I feel like we've gotten more strict and more closed in as the years have gone on. Hip hop did that. You think so? Absolutely, I think so. Because remember, like you said, in the 70s and all that kind of stuff, they were they were accepting of all that. You could do whatever, wear whatever the hell you want. And let me well, let me say this. I, if, I think it was because I wasn't around then. Maybe you can give me some context on this. I think it was if you were an entertainer. I don't know. Well, here I'm going to tell you what is that. You know, my dad was like a fly corner guy, super duper like sexy black guy. You know, very taco meat out and. By today's standards, I think that they would say, you know, maybe he dressed feminine. He wore bell bottoms. He wore his shirt out with the long, like, neck lapels and stuff. And he was very well groomed, nails always done. He parted his little afro. So, like, but he was super duper masculine as well. So, I don't know what that would look like. So then, yeah. So then, to my point, I'm thinking, like, because hip-hop came in with this super... Um, yeah, I guess you could say toxic masculinity. It came in with this, I mean, not not from the beginning. Remember, hip hop from the beginning was fun and it was all sorts of things. But so really, I'm talking about the era of when gangster rap started. Okay, I can go for that. Because once once gangster rap took hold and the powers that be realized the marketing potential and that could be made, they took that form of rap and placed it on the pedestal as this is the archetype for a rapper, for a black man, for urban black men, for what the hood looks like, for all that. And from then on, artists, you know what I'm saying, like Lil Nas or Frank Ocean or, you know what I'm saying, Tyler Creator, things like that. Gangster rap, be free like that. You know what I'm saying, still be looked at as, as cool or whatever. But um, it's what's interesting to me too is like historically, throughout a lot of different cultures, men decorated themselves and presented themselves more flamboyant than women did. Right. You'll notice that even in the even in America. Is that like, you know, like the prettier colors, the, you know, like peacocks and red robins are the brighter ones, right? They adorn the adorn themselves, I apologize, for the attraction of a mate. So like I don't understand. Like we've gotten, I can go for that. That's very, I mean, we totally got off of any of the topic that I was thinking about when you went into hip hop. But yeah, I could totally say that I can agree that gangster rap definitely shaped a generation of what young black men should look like and how um, they should act as well, right? There wasn't a lot of freedom. There wasn't a lot of the love songs and all of that stuff. So like, the segue for having emotions even kind of left, right? Like you just had to be hardcore. Like there were no more love songs. It was just about like, well, I'm fucking you. You fucking or no? That's okay. It. That's it. Yeah, I can go yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely- So for me, it's just about being the change that I want to see in the world, right? Like if I, if I do my job correctly, based on, you know, what I've chosen to do for myself, five or 10 years from now, Black guys won't be afraid to be more expressive. They won't. Or to open about their sexuality or all these different things. I'm willing to put myself on the cross and crucify myself for the sake of all the other ones that have come after me. Because somebody's got to be the first and be like, look, like, enough I mean, is enough. Do, you know right? 
you can only lead yeah. from the front. You can't lead from the back. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, you have to absolutely be that change. And I did want to get to some of like the actual questions. I don't take up all of your time, but um, I wanted to discuss what does dating look like? You know, you've been really honest with your, um, your HIV status. And I think that that's really important because that's also not something that we discuss enough, you know, within the black community, especially and in Atlanta, it's really high numbers. So what does all of that look like for you? Like as a fork in the road for you, like, okay, one day you're not positive and then the next day you are, what shifted for you in your life? Oh, everything, everything. Because first of all, so and yeah, there's a there's a couple of layers to this. There's the fact that I'm was was described as a hedonist and a swinger. Just for those who who may not know, basically, a hedonist is, is someone who is all about pleasure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then a swinger. The swinger lifestyle is all about um, the freedom of sex and, you know, switching partners and multiple partners and things like that. The idea that you can separate sex from romance or from commitment and ignore it as a, you know what I'm saying? As um, not only a pleasurable activity, but um, to be able to kind of, to be able to be, it's really a little bit more natural. I mean, not to go into a tangent, but Monogamy is really not natural for human nature. I fully agree with that. I think that monogamy is definitely a man-made construct. Um, right. I think that if people want to be monogamous, they should definitely do so. But I don't think that that should be the standard of relationships because I really believe that non-monogamy is more natural than monogamy. So right. So with all that being said, um, so there's the fact that now due to disclosure. So disclosure basically means that, you know, I got to tell people that I got HIV. Like it's a, it's, it's a law, you know what I'm saying? In most places, but so due to that. And then also the fact that not only did I used to live the lifestyle I was living, but why, well, you know, not only do I have the lifestyle I was living, but I was really reckless for a long time, not, not safe and things like that. So that's a, that's another recalibration within myself to recognize that, okay, You've been engaging in a lot of unsafe behaviors for a long time. And obviously you can't continue to do that. You know what I'm saying? So there's a recalibration of my own energy as well as the fact of now trying to navigate dating. I'll say this, it hasn't been that long that I've been attempting to navigate this dating world. Like it hasn't been 10 years. So I can't, I can't tell you a bunch of, a lot of insight, but I will say this, it's a lot more, complicated and also um what's the word i'm looking for um it's more emotional what i mean when i say that is i used to just be able to do things without really considering thing you know considering the next step and the next step and the next step even like for example even if i was being safe right if right. i'm if i'm out here being safe and I'm, I meet some folks or whatever, and we hit it off, we can go have a one-night stand or we can go have a threesome. Or if I'm in a relationship, I can go to a swinger club and we can swing or, you know what I'm saying? I could do all those things and be safe. But now 
I just can't throw myself out there willy-nilly like that, safe or not, because there's disclosure. I understand now that, especially being more transparent, I I kind of I come with a set of things that would be deal breakers for a lot of people. Right. So and understanding that I now have to think more and be, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm more in my head about things. Like I don't I don't approach nearly as many women as I used to because I wouldn't say it's a maybe it is self-conscious, but it's like I used to assume that you'll like me if you talk to me. Right. Now I, I kind of assume that you might not be into me, you know what I'm saying, until you tell me that you are. It's right. different. Like, I, I just, my assumption has changed. Now I, I'm in my head and I'm like, you know, she might not do it. So I approach, I approach less women. I'm thinking about what I'm doing more. And then there's a battle between the things that I want to do and the things that I can't necessarily do anymore. So it's just, it's just different. Um, I've realized that when it comes to dating, I just got to slow things down. I have to understand that any rejection I encounter is really going to be, is really a good thing. You know what I'm saying? I can't look at it as a bad thing. It's really a good thing because I have to be, uh, I have to be true to myself and in being true to myself, I got to make sure that anybody I engage with chooses to engage with me of their own free will, knowing, you know what I'm saying? Everything that I may come with or whatnot. So it's just a process of relearning my approach to things, relearning, um, you know, how to think about things and learning how to have these disclosure conversations because they look different every single time. I try to have them as soon as possible. Okay. Like, what's up? Continue. Yeah, I say I try to have them as soon as possible because for me, I don't like the idea of somebody like really getting into me and then I have to have this big reveal. Right. I feel like the sooner I have the sooner I have this disclosure and reveal conversation, the sooner you can decide like, okay, I'm with it or okay, I'm not. And then if we continue building from there, then I know it's genuine. Up until my disclosure conversation, I don't even think anything is real. In so mind, how like, do you have this disclosure conversation? Like, let's say you meet me, we're out in a bar, club, Kroger, whatever, and you start talking to me and I'm talking to you and we go out and we have coffee, you know, and we're getting to know each other. When do you have the conversation with me? Somewhere by the end of the date, you'll know. By the end of the very first date? Yeah, you'll definitely know by the end of the first day. I respect that. Now, when you, you might have known before the first day, you might have known before the first day. Like, I try to organically work it into any conversation that I can if I feel like it's necessary. Because the thing with the thing with sex is, or attractions, the thing with attraction and sex is like, you never know the line of when it happens. Like, you don't know when the spark happens. Right. The moment that spark happens, from then on, if and it could be anything. It could be any deal breaker. It doesn't have to be HIV or dating trans women. It could be that, oh, I'm married. Or yeah. it could be that, um, not, you know, maybe married and separated or some shit. It could be, you know. Children. So I got children. It yeah. could be, I got a micro penis. It could be any yeah. fucking thing, really. That's but, definitely a deal breaker for me, buddy. <laughs> like, but, yes, look. <laughs> but it could, yeah, I don't have a micro penis. <laughs> I don't have a micro. Anyway, yeah. so. But with that being said, it's like for me, the moment from the moment that spark happens up until the time where wherever those potential deal breakers might be revealed, I feel like I'm I might be leading you on. Like it's kind of like I'm leading you on in a way if I don't tell you because now I know that you're into me. 
Right. I know that you may want to, you know, take it a little further, whether it's dating or whether we get intimate, start sleeping together, whatever. But yet I'm holding on to this piece of information that I know could potentially change how you think. And I don't want to, I don't want to. In all fairness, and I respect the disclosure factor, but like, so many, many moons ago, because, um, I'm like 40 something. Uh, I used to work downtown in, uh, I'm sorry, what? I said something, 40 something. Yeah, it's like 42. What number is that? 42 on on April 14th. So I'm 42. Um, So, but many, many moons ago, I worked uh, at the Gay and Lesbian Community Center in Manhattan and we worked on the very first AIDS project. And we used to go around in like the hot van. It was like health outreach to teens, give out clean needles, finger cots, dental dams, condoms, and do HIV education. Um, And this was in my teens and we would go to Harvey Milk and we would deal with the people who were most likely to contract HIV, which was the gay male community and, you know, drug users and kids on the street. So for me, I kind of learned from that old school way of just kind of assume everybody is positive and universal precautions. So is there a space in that where you feel like I don't need to tell you because you should be safe and protecting yourself? I I mean, I'm just asking, you know, because I know people that do feel that way that are like, well, you know what, you should just assume everybody is positive. And like, it's your responsibility to protect yourself. I don't have to disclose my um, HIV status. That'd be cool. But the law doesn't the law, the actual law on the books doesn't see it that way. So I don't have the luxury of thinking like that. There's a law that says that you have to disclose that to the people or you can be charged with a felony. Really? I am learning that. Thank you for that bit of information. I had no idea. In a way, I understand it. And in a way, it's a bit. Here's what I think. I think it's only unfair in the times that we live in. I think I think that was a valid law in the early days when you pretty much just died from it and there was nothing else. But now I- that. Now that people live a full life, you know what? I might have just, forgive me. <laughs> I just had a tangent moment, but I'm, this might be a cause I need to take on. The fact that people don't die from that shit no more, really. If you I take know. your meds and be healthy. I know whatever, people that have had I, children and are HIV positive. That's what I'm saying. Like so now to me, the law is a bit all the cocktails, with all of the advanced technologies at this point, people just, you can live a full life. Like for me, HIV is like, any other STI at this point of technology, right? It's like one in three people have herpes. Like you should just assume you've been exposed to somebody or slept with somebody who has herpes. I assume I have slept with somebody in my life who was positive at one point in time. Um, I do take my own tests and my husband does as well, um, like before we were married. Um, And we're both negative, but like you kind of, I, for me, like I said, well, coming from that old school way, I just kind of assume anybody I come in contact with could be HIV positive. And then that's my responsibility to Let me protect go. myself or ask the question. I'll give you one exception. If I was going to like spend money with an escort or a prostitute or something like that, nah, <laughs> like I'm not, I would, you know what I'm saying? In that, in that instance, so it being sex, sex is a commodity and, a, you know, that type of thing is an exchange for money. 
Okay, that's well, the only time I would think that, okay, you as a professional sex worker should be doing everything you do need to do to protect yourself. And since we're here for an exchange and you do this for a living, so you sleep with a lot of people. So the same way you said, you kind of assume or whatever, in that instance, I wouldn't feel the need to disclose. Okay, so if now I, in that instance, when you're talking about a sex worker, would you have sex unprotected without them knowing? What? No. <laughs> okay. I just want to make no. sure. I'm just trying to gain clarity around what we're saying. No. Like, are you I'm you sex with a sex worker. They don't deserve protection, or like they're sex workers, and so like th that that's just assumed. And this is a part of your job, right? Like having a prophylactic should be a part of your job as a responsible sex worker. Now I've had unprotected sex with sex workers, but it wasn't. I didn't pay for it. It was like we were. I've dated a lot of sex workers, so. You know what I'm saying? But right. I'm saying if I showed up to spend money with a sex worker and that's what we're doing, I wouldn't stop and have a disclosure conversation. I'd put a rubber on, catch my nut, and keep pushing. Absolutely heard. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that one yet. So I'm going to sit with that for a second. Um, but I mean, I could dig it because uh, it's a part of I just of feel that. like you can't, I just feel like if, if, if your profession is sex, that assumption that you said about Assume that everybody's have it and protect yourself, or whatever. You have to have that. If you don't have that, like you, you're in the wrong profession. Yeah, no, I mean, I dig that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you know what? I guess I could agree on that level because you totally should. It's a part of your profession. You part know, the job, like any other job, and you come to your work with the tools prepared to do the job properly. So. Yeah, you can't possibly think that you're sleeping around with all these random men. And none of them have, like you said, an STI or HIV or whatever. It's different when you live in your regular life. A re an average woman, even if she's even if she's promiscuous, you know what I'm saying? It's not the same as a sex worker. Like a sex worker, you know, you could be talking about dozens of people a day. It's different. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's still different. I could dig it. Now, when you first became positive, did you have to like call previous partners and let them know for their own safety to like, hey, this is what I just found out and we've been intimate in the past XYZ? Or did you skip that disclosure time? Well, so I got it the same year that I found out, which was last year. So I didn't bother to call anybody from before that time. Okay. And I was in a relationship at the time, so I told her. But everybody else who I've been sleeping with had been like one night stands and shit. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Things like I used to really be like real reckless. You know what I'm saying? Real. You know what I'm saying? Right. So um, and plus I was, you know what I'm saying? I unfortunately, you know what I'm saying? It's not a good thing, but like I was cheating a lot and different things like that. So these people weren't they they weren't girls that I've you know what I'm saying really even knew like that for real for real. Right. So when they ask me, because they ask you at the clinic, they say, um, you know, give us anybody who you feel like could have been exposed or whatever. I didn't. I couldn't even come up with a name. I was like, well, I know a few people, but I don't even know their names. I don't know their numbers. Right. Like it really, it was really a transformative moment for me because I was like, damn, bro, what the fuck you been doing? Like, we, you can't even. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't even help these people out because you don't even know how to reach them and shit. It was just like it was profound. To me. That's and uh, absolutely wild. really changed really change the way I think about things. Yeah. No, I mean, like, that's a real sobering moment. Like, wow, I could have, you know, placed these other people in this situation and I can't even reach them. So I could see how that is profound and sobering. You know, the they, they want to be able to reach out to the person you got it from or whatever. And I, I had to tell them. 
I don't know. Wow. Don't know. How did it affect your relationship at the time when you told your partner that you were positive? <laughs> it blew it up. It blew it up out of the water. It's never the same. I mean, we shortly we broke up shortly after that, but no, you know what? I'm I'm rearranging history right now. I had broke up with I had broke up with her. If you ask her, she won't say that. I think she'll say she broke up with me. I don't know. But I, we broke up Everybody probably two weeks story. before I found out. Everybody's got a different version of the breakup story, right? <laughs> so I, um, we broke up two weeks before I found out for other reasons, but we were still living together. Okay. And then I found out, and of course you got the usual shock and surprise and then anger you know what I'm saying? And acceptance, the normal path or whatever. But what happened, what it did was it really guaranteed that we'll probably never, that we wouldn't reconcile. Cause like we had broken up and got back together before. Right. But when that happened right after we broke up, it was like, for her, it was like, yeah, okay. This is like over, over. I'm, not, I'm not going to go back to this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it wasn't just the HIV, yeah. it, you know what I'm saying? It was the reveal that like, you, were you know, you, yeah, you've been doing things you ain't been doing and shit. So, um, I could see how it would be a deal breaker, even over the status. Like, wow, so you've been living this other life without me knowing. So, I could see that. Right. I could see that completely. Right, exactly. I mean, I've seen it too. I don't knock, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't knock her at all or, you know, feel like it should have been any different. Right. That's exactly. good. I'm glad that you're able to see that. Um, from her point of view, because that's an important thing. Because betrayal, like a relationship has to be based on trust, which is why you do your disclosure right away, right? Like, because like you said, now if we're dating and I'm into you and here we are two, three months down the line, you know, it's trust broken, like, wow. Way too long. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would like to know something like that. I probably would also enjoy that like over our first coffee and gives me time to say, do I want to invest in this person? And you know, how can I protect myself? Like for me personally, a person with HIV would be a deal breaker simply because I hate protection. Like, and that's just like where that lies for me. So would you, you like know, some education on that? Yeah, absolutely. You ever heard of prep? Yes. So a lot of people, a lot of people who either date in the, within a community as high risk, which will be considered the LBGT community, or just period, just to protect themselves, they take a drug called PrEP. And basically, once you've taken it, maybe it's like two or three weeks or something like that, but once you've taken it regularly for a while and you continue to take it, it prevents you from being able to contract it. So from my understanding, I have now I haven't been with anybody who takes it that I know of. But from my understanding, people who want to establish long-term relationships with somebody who, who's HIV positive will usually take it. Or people who know they want to sleep around with folks like that, you know what right. I'm saying, will take it. Um, um, so there's that part as far as avoiding the protection part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, now technically, so I'm undetectable, which means that my viral count is so low that I can't give it to anybody or, right. you know what I'm saying? So technically, I could have unprotected sex with someone if they were open to it and they wouldn't get HIV. You know what I'm saying? 
but I know that that's like, it's just a mental thing, right? It's just so. I mean, when you understand, you know, like the T cell counts and the viral loads and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, it is still a mind fuck, right? It's the mind thing. It's like, but this was like, because you, I mean, you like, you want to trust the data and the science and all that, but it's still, there's that stigma. It's just like, but it's. Like it's terrifying that idea. And I really love that you're breaking down the stigma for it and educating people on your platform. Like these are the ways that people are able to date or like even now, like explaining to me how prep works and all of that stuff. And um, I know that you have to go. So I just wanted to ask a couple more questions because this is really good. And I could probably have like three more episodes with you and on random topics just because you're brilliant. Um, but I wanted to ask like if you, with all of this, life experience that you have as a father, as a partner, as a hedonist, as a swinger, as an entertainer, as a poet, as, 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 what would you give, what advice would you give to your 18 year old self? <laughs> Yo, wear some condoms, like first and foremost. That's the first thing I tell myself. I'll be like, yo, you finna go down a crazy path just put some condoms on it. So much better for it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'd also tell myself that uh, don't be afraid to be who you are. And, and sit. Okay, let me say this. Uh, I got to give some context on that. I would say don't be afraid to be who you are um, because it's the only thing that'll set you free. And what I mean is, like, I, I did the double life thing for years. You know what I'm saying? They call it being on a DL and shit. So basically being in a trans woman but not want nobody to know. Right. You know what I'm saying? But what happens is when, you, when you're when you hiding something, it's naturally going to become, you're going to engage in unhealthy behaviors because let's look at, okay, this is an interesting example. Guys who go to jail, right? You Everybody's heard the phrase gay for the state, right? Yeah. These guys are deprived of what they really want, which is women. So what do they do? They start engaging with each other. Anything that you are depriving yourself of or denying yourself of is at some point going to come out. You know what I'm saying? At some point it's going to come out. But if what you're doing, you're you're hiding it. You got to hide it and, and do those, you know, things like that. You can't engage with that healthily. And I mean that from a physical standpoint and from a, a mental and emotional standpoint. And that takes a toll on you. You know what I'm saying? It's going to take a toll on you and it's going to affect you in a lot of negative ways so even for my life like had I been open being myself for a long time I wouldn't have had to hide and stick around and do these different things like that I could have been engaged in a lot of behaviors a lot more healthily right same because it's not what you do it's how you do it you know what I'm saying same thing but just doing it differently doing it healthily and it would have it would have changed my whole life so I would definitely tell myself wear some condoms and just be yourself, bro. Just live your truth. I love that. I love that. So I'm going to let you go so we can um, wrap it up right now. And where can people find your platform and hear more from you? Um, my Instagram is really my best place. My Facebook is like for people who really, really, really know me. But Instagram, um, DA Hustler Kid on Instagram. Um, everything's going to be there. So. Okay. 
I like it. Thank you so much for your time and this conversation. And I promise you, I will have you on some more because you've hit a few things today that I'm like, we can go a little bit deeper and a little bit further on here, but I'm not trying to like speak up the whole um, day. We'll do part two. We'll definitely do a part two. Absolutely. All right. Well, you have a wonderful day and thank you for having the conversation. Thank you.